Damien Harris, thank you very much for joining us on Remember the First Time. It's uh, it's great to have you here, and I appreciate you putting some time aside to talk to us. Absolute pleasure. Always happy to talk about stuff. So, yes, not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. So, um, you are the founder of Skint Records, which I believe was founded in 1995, which is the same year when uh, Chemical Brothers' debut album, Exit Planet, does came out, and also a bit of a... Uh, a, a birth point for the big beat sound um if you wouldn't mind I could ask for a little bit of a history about skint records and what you hope to achieve with the record label back in the 90s um yes well i um i went to art college in brighton in 1989 uh and so i did a fine art degree i spent most of my time putting on club nights and um working in a record shop there called Rounder, um, getting to know everyone. So I, I was, and DJing, DJing, around the time I started Skin, I was DJing about six nights a week in Brighton, uh, in clubs and bars and various places. Um, so 1993, I got offered, I was doing some journalism as well. I was writing for DJ Mag and ID and um, another, an American magazine called Street Sounds, which was run by JC and Tim, um, who would go on to become my partners. Um, mm. So I would write reviews for them. Um, they employed one person, Roger Wildchild McKenzie, um, uh, he of the Renegade Master fame. Um, cool. And Roger was a good friend of mine. And then he kind of became quite successful with his Wild Tracks uh, records on Loaded. And uh, he got to a stage where he didn't need to, he just wanted to concentrate on the studio. So I took his job, which was kind of running Loaded, uh, doing all the day to day stuff. Um, uh, you know, getting records pressed, selling to distributors, etc., etc. Um, and I also at the time lived in Norman Cook's house in his flat. Uh, Norman was a friend. We were all friends and we all used to go around to these are the heady days of the house of love. Yeah. Um, and so we all used to sort of go around to Norman's for parties all the time. And, um, Basically, at one point in 1994, Tim and JC took Norman aside and said, right, we're going to have to sack Damien. He's useless. <laughs> Amiable but useless was what they said. So, um, and uh, Norman said, yep, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Thanks, Norm. Um, even though they asked him because I owed him so much money in rent. Uh, he wasn't a great landlord. Not... <laughs> like a bad one but just he forgot to ask me for money and i forgot to pay him yeah, um you were and so to remind him yeah i didn't it wasn't the first thing i'd bring up um and uh the they so they sort of they sat me down to sack me and i still can't quite remember how it happened but i managed somehow to convince them to give me a record label instead um I had been making stuff in the studio as a DJ. I had been, I used to do a lot of warm up sets. And mm -hmm. um, so I was interested in sort of 
kind of more down tempo stuff trip pop was a sort of an influence i was very excited by those records but mm. missed a bit of energy um and so i i said can i do a label that doesn't do loaded just did house music i said can i do a label that doesn't do house um and i had a few ideas like there's some of norman's stuff that he had played me at six o'clock in the morning round at his house um <laughs> that i really liked and so i said can i do that and um thankfully they agreed and they said okay don't lose any money uh pick get your first three singles together and there was already an infrastructure there so we had an account at the pressing plant and you know everything like that so yeah and um so i got my first three singles together and the first was i i asked norman i said can i have that stuff you we you were playing me and he goes oh i can't let you have that someone else has promised it but i'll do you something new and so yeah he made santa cruz yeah um and the weekend starts here and that was the first single um sorry that was all rather long-winded yeah no no it's absolutely fine i think you actually have you've been quoted in the past as saying that that was santa cruz was the the birth of uh the big beat sound and it was something along the lines of go away and put dance and rock music together and that's what he came back with i, I yeah slightly romanticized the conversation <laughs> yeah. i think but I, and I, but i'm happy to take it i am happy to take that that uh i mean the the thing with norman at the time was is that you you could say that to him he's one of those few people that you could go you know that bit and that bit of your stuff mm. then you know put stick that together because norman had had a history uh before that what would happen is he would st stumble across his a bit sounds a bit like he didn't have the talent but he would come across a record so dub be good to me for example yeah um he would strike gold uh record a great album you know have a big hit with a, the record recording now enough for a second album, and then he would always st falter on the second one and as soon as he had to start thinking about stuff or thinking about making a radio record he would kind of go into his shell a bit and you know he lost that sort of lost the inspiration so he did that with freak power as well um with turn on tune and cop out and then it was around he he was recording the second freak power album around this time mm. and um so i knew as a sort of a keen observer of him and as his friend i i felt i could say why don't you do this with a bit of that and and yeah so i will take that that he claims that i um i came up with the formula um <laughs> yes so yes um Yeah, but he, he he was he was sort of going through a stage. He he had discovered ecstasy not about a couple of years previous, and it was really interesting to see him making music after that experience. 
Um, and so, I mean, he was making some great stuff. He was doing Pizza Man for Loaded. Um, Freak Power has some really, really interesting stuff, and so especially some of the dubbier stuff. So, so yeah, so it was it was good timing to get him at that point. So, do you, do you think it was? I think in in previous interviews you've talked about it was just the right place at the right time. Um, but do you think there was a bit of a strange coincidence that you've got from Manchester, you've got um, the Dust Brothers, obviously now the Chemical Brothers, and you've got Death in Vegas as well. Um, and even from, I believe they're from Leeds, apologies if they're not, who, you know, they ended up being on your label, um, Low Fidelity All-Stars. They're all doing sort of a similar sound, and they're DJing mm. uh, you know, Death in Vegas and the Chemical Brothers uh, prior to them when they were the Dust Brothers. They're DJing at the Heavenly Social on a Sunday night. So was it a case that it was just, oh, we all coincidentally are doing a similar sound, let's all kind of refine it together, or you're like, right, I, that's a call to arms, or that's a, 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 a I don't know, maybe um, proof that what you're doing is being reflected in other, in other music and, and in other bands and other artists elsewhere. I think a, a, a little bit of both. I, I think... Um... Dance music at the time, so sort of previous to that, it was the sort of super start of the superstar DJ era. Mm. Um, so 91, like 92, 93. Um, <clears throat> and it was all a bit pompous. Uh, and I think a lot of, a lot of, say, you know, say like the Heavenly Social and the Boutique, um, it was a bit of a reaction to that sort of pompousness and, you know, having wearing 200 pound linen shirts out and not wanting to sweat in it. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, it was, um, yeah. And I, so I think that on the club side, I think musically, a lot of the people, a lot of us had all grown up around similar times I always thought the clash was a sort of a, a unifying sort of common thread for mm. a lot of lot of people. Mm. Uh, the clash sort of introduced quite a few people to sort of hip hop. So you'd had hip hop, you'd had probably a sort of a guitar based sort of period in your life. Mm-hmm. As, as I say, mine was the clash and sort of Billy Bragg. And then, um, Yes, then sort of hip hop introduces you to sort of hip, sort of rare groove and um, James Brown and soul and funk and and then the Acid House came along and there was that sort of euphoria of that that was yeah. sort of quite a big factor. So if you if you those three, it was kind of and also samplers. Samplers were sort of suddenly bit more affordable yeah and this generation of people who have been through that who had probably come up through a lot of music through john peel suddenly had you know could make some music and make some music on their own so i think those things are all part of it um yeah i get that completely yeah and i completely agree that that by the attitude of punk but then the soul and the the uh, energy of 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 of, well, of of soul obviously and um of, of hip-hop and of that kind of it feels more like the east coast hip-hop as well and 
using mm. the breakbeats. I mean, obviously, breakbeats are an absolute core of the big beat sound, but you hear it so you, you can hear the evolution when you listen to the influences, when you listen to early Eric B and Rakim and you listen to Sugar Hill, etc. You can hear it. Yeah. Clearly, these are these are going to influence the sound that, that you guys come up with. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many, so many. Uh, pieces of, of that kind of punk aesthetic in the attitude and in the want to bring something I think that's a bit more in your face rather than as you mentioned the, the the rave scene at that time which was a little bit more chilled out I suppose a bit more euphoric but without wanting mm. to lose the euphoria I guess that you get from dance music mm. yeah no that, that's true I mean what a uh, uh... Sort of in a in a Brighton sort of climate. One of the things I always thought I used to go to a lot of different clubs that my friends would put on, mm-hmm. and so I would go to a funk. So my friends did a club called Muffle Waffle, which I just loved, <laughs> and it was soul, disco, funk, hip hop, drum and bass. Um, a guy called Rob Louie who runs now runs True Thoughts. Mm-hmm. He did a night called Shake Your Wig, which was hip hop and jazz and you know funk and then you'd go to various and then there was house nights and then there was a couple of techno nights that were really good and tonka as well tonka was quite a big influence so all these things and i just wanted to put out records that that would play at all of them um and i i i just sort of thought well why can't you hear all these records in the same place um because i don't is that how Big Beat Boutique came along then? You basically uh, selfishly went, well, I'm going to put my own night on. Yeah, I well, I had always put nights on. I kind of couldn't stop myself from about 15. Uh, I always put a night on. Um, and so <clears throat> the boutique was... Um, I mean, the, the, the different thing with the boutique was the first time that I worked with someone who was actually a good promoter. All the other club nights I'd done were with friends and we were all equally as rubbish as each other. And, oh, you know, come come along if you want. Um, and we would have, you know, you because we were at the art college, you'd sort of, you got quite a good audience, but they could be flaky. And, um, yeah, so the, the, the boutique, uh, I started working with uh, Gareth Hansen. And he was actually, yeah, he would actually go and flyer and sort of tell people to come along. So, um, so yeah, so sorry, I was going off topic there, but um, it that um, th- it was quite disparate. The scene you would have nights that were just drum and bass, nights that were just yeah, techno, mm. and everyone was a bit of a purist and just. And I just was always like, oh, can't we just have a bit of everything? And I, I think working in a record shop does that to you. You hear, you hear yeah. everything, and so I, I would always you know, pick up records from quite a spectrum of um, of different places, really. I mean, it's the best way to be. I'd say the, the more wide-ranging your tastes, the more influence you have, and the more open yeah. you to music itself. Yeah, no, absolutely. It really used to annoy me, um, some of the purism uh, that uh, that sort of ran through... Uh, run through dance music I mean sometimes I understand it but there was a times when it's just oh come on 
um yeah so it it i, I remember quite liking annoying purists at the time because <laughs> they deserved to be annoyed <laughs> but then then later on i sort of i would sort of try and pander to them which i do regret but we'll get to that i'm sure well sometimes you come your own worst enemy don't you at times yeah yes exactly and at the end of the day a dance night is there to dance you know and if you're not if you can't enjoy yourself what's the point in putting a night on yeah no no absolutely i mean me and norman always had this thing of we were both sort of kind of from that we'd been doing it quite a while and we'd both sort of earned our stripes at sort of shitty student nights or those things that you have to work quite hard um and so yeah and you always knew if you make the girls dance then the blokes will dance and if you know <laughs> so we both had that sort of slightly old school ethos of you know it's a party and yeah. that's how you get a party going yeah i think that that's the simplest way to think of it is absolutely it's a party yeah um, So Skin, Skin Records itself, do you think, and, and the Big Beat sound, do you think there's a legacy to the record label and to the sound that you guys helped create and then define? Oh, how long have we got? I don't <laughs> know. I um, It's a funny one. I often get a little bit annoyed, and I, I used to spend a lot of time stressing and worrying about it far too much um there's a lot of it hasn't aged well and i you know whilst <clears throat> whilst there's you know a lot of people around who enjoy it 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 didn't i don't feel it got the recognition it deserved because it was sort of i think people felt it was a bit of a, a, a laugh and a bit of a joke um, which is a shame because I don't think that's the case, but we were at a, a, a moment, we were a moment in time that sort of influenced a lot of other areas. I mean, it. Mm. I think dance music is very cyclical. Um, mm. So you'll go through stages of, you know, like the, the Ed Banger and um, sort of Justice and when they yeah. came through, it's quite similar, but they were just much better dressed than us. And um, yeah, and so so I, I mean, I think Norman, I think, you know, I think Praise You and Right Here, Right Now will always be, uh, you know, go down as classics and, the you know, the chemicals. Yeah. And there, there are records in there that will remember. I, I, I'm waiting for um, a re- evaluation of um by you know a serious academic re-evaluation of the big beat influence because mm. i yeah at the moment i don't feel it uh, i feel it sort of gets uh it's a, probably a bit of a 
not taken particularly seriously. I wouldn't say a bit of a joke, but um, yeah, there you go. I, w- I would say it's just, you know, I think in the same sense that people are starting to look back at Britpop with a more academic eye, I think the time will come for Big Beat to be considered in a more academic vein. And certainly, I, in my very humble opinion, I would say that without uh, the Big Beat sound and without artists such as Fatboy Slim, without Kems, without The Prodigy, making that sound more accessible to the American music audience, I don't think there would have been bands such as LCD Sound System sort of half a decade later that would have been able mm. to become as accessible as quickly. And I appreciate it. That's, that's sort of a New York scene, which is, you would argue, progressively always ahead of the curve, but they clearly were taking influence from that kind of compression or in the production and the, and the that kind of mashing up of different genres, the, the indie, the rock, the dance, and doing mm. their own thing, but you can clearly see that through line from what you guys were doing to what they were doing on on um, DFA. Yeah, albeit with more cowbell, but you know, there's never any yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I um I recently read um the book um Meet Me in the Bathroom. I might have got that wrong, um, but it's a it's a sort of an oral history of New York, sort of uh, from the sort of millennium. Yeah, and um, meet me in the bathroom. Is it? it no, is, I'll, I'll remember along those lines. Yeah, um, and and it is funny because I always uh, someone Keith Wood who used to do Norman stuff in America, and who was manager of LCD, and he always said, you know, James was quite influenced by Norm Norman, and I was going really, and then yeah, in that book they talk about the plant the bar uh mm. and uh, apparently and james watched norman dj and went i can do that not in a <laughs> derogatory way but it's like oh okay Why and apparently there was a, there was a bit of a yeah there was a bit of a light bulb moment for him um which i always which always sort of pleases me so yes yeah. i know i think i think you're right i think um I, I think that sort of allowing, not allowing, but, you know, rock, just rock and dance. Yes, justifying rock and dance sort of could work together uh, is certainly something I think we we did do. It's, it's not necessarily the first ones to do it, but, you know, we I think we certainly opened doors. So do you think maybe to a certain degree losing my edge by, L- by LCD sound system where... James Murphy says that line, I was there. Could that actually yeah. be him witnessing Norman and then going, I can do that? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I do. I, I'm, I'm sort of quite good friends with James now, and I, I always want to ask him when I'm a bit drunk, but I never get around to it, and I always regret it afterwards. Um, it's funny, actually, losing my edge uh, is a chapter title in my skint story book um if i ever finish it but that coming along um and i remember just thinking this is a stunning record but i had missed it it is incredible and i had missed it and i was so busy and you know you're just listening to stuff by your own artists and it's quite easy to take your eye off the ball 
Um, and I remember just being really annoyed that I'd missed it <laughs> because it was just, and it felt like a turning point going, oh, they're, they're really cool. They're really yeah. good. I love everything about it. And um, we did sort of make a bit of an attempt to sign them, but uh, it was it was sort of it was way too late. Um, so yeah, I, I th th it was a turn because I I just thought that was genius record. That's that. Wow, you guys signing you guys like trying to sign LCD Sound System is in my eyes equal to Wednesday not signing Cantona and him going to Man United. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been moments. Yeah. Well, I I I made a real mistake. I I um James was over and I'd spoken to him on the Friday and said, "Oh, can I, you know, I'd really like to can we go for a coffee or something or have a chat?" And he was like, "Oh, maybe." And then I sort of spoke to him on the Sunday and he's like, "Look, I'm trying to have a day off." And I'd caught him at the wrong time and he's like, "Oh, bugger uh but yes i i would have i would have loved to have signed them but um we we have just signed the drummer um okay. we've just signed signed the album by um museum of love which is pat mahoney's band oh. so got there slowly in the end and just got the drummer but you know <laughs> so slowly get the rest of them yes yes exactly <laughs> well i'll have to check that out yeah, no, no, we've it's literally just sort of been doing. I mean, the weirdest thing is my um, my brother, my we have a restaurant, and my brother did a um, we did a sort of a swap with James Murphy, James's restaurant called the Four Horsemen, mm. um, in New York, which was quite bizarre. So all these years later, uh, from you know days of rock and roll, and we're sort of doing um, yeah a restaurant sort of cooking at his restaurant swap which, yeah. yeah yes couldn't be any further from the sweaty days of big beat <laughs> well you, you mentioned that you've, you, you've just signed him um who else is it that at the moment you're excited by? Um, Rasheen Murphy. I um, you'd be remiss not to mention one of your one of your. I, I have to, don't I? Really, I uh, I would I I could not be happier. Uh, as we speak, I've done, just today. She just sort of delivered her new single. And we're in the last throes of the new album, so I'm, I'm, it's, 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 you know, fresh in my mind. Um, yeah, I, and again, I, I think timing just um, Parrot sending me Incapable about four years ago. Um, stuff recently has been, I was going to say amazing, but it's, it's just she's knocking it every single time knocking it out of the park yeah absolutely and and to be working with her and parrot both at the top of their game is um such an honor it's um I, and i can't think of anyone i'd rather sort of represent new skint than than those two so i'm i'm absolutely i'm i'm really really um happy um 
Yeah, do you, do I have to save people from another label? Or? <laughs> it's up to you. What I would say is you talk about new skin, so you've returned as the creative director. I suppose what, yes. what is next for skin? You've come back to them or they've come back to you? I wouldn't, I wouldn't presume to know what the situation is, but certainly, you know, it, you're back together, as it were. Yes, yes. Well, what, well, what, uh, uh, um, and just to fill you in briefly, so we. I left the company around 2008 uh, on a day-to-day basis. Um, we sold it in 2013 to BMG, uh, and two years ago they they bought it as a going concern. Two years ago they asked me if I wanted to come back consulting, and. It was meant to be two days a week, but very quickly you can't, you know, I was back full time. So, um, so yeah, so I, I am back. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's very different. I mean, I, I remember thinking, well, should I, you know, when I was 24, 25 and started skin the first time round, I was, as I said, going out six times a week and, uh DJing all over the place and it was my whole world and my whole life and I'm not DJing anywhere like you know I DJ in a pub once a month um and so yeah so it's very different it is different um and, and there's no point trying to recreate that sort of feeling but um there are some really good bands that yeah I it will always be that sort of mixture of some really good club records and some more you know more album acts Mm -hmm. um and I, i guess it always reflects my taste as well so um so yeah so it's I mean, uh, uh, the COVID curveball has changed everything. I mean, so uh, God knows what's going to happen to clubbing, the world mm. of clubbing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm i quite excited about what there is. I mean, we've signed uh, Lou Hater, who uh, used to be in uh, New York Pony Club. Oh, um yeah had a track called cherry on top last year so um she's produced a great album museum of love emperor machine emperor machine who i'd always loved and he was kind of my first signing back so it's it's different it's not based on a club world but it's still from nightclubs if that makes any sense informed by you know club culture but the club clubbing experience of a 50 year old man uh which i probably shouldn't say if i had a publicist they'd be going don't tell them you're 50 but <laughs> it's out there i am and um and there you go well you know there's 50s 50s and you 40 and 40s the new 20s so there we go. i did mean to put you on the spot you don't have to say that but thanks for <laughs> thanks for trying oh no don't worry it. i'm 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 15 years younger and i feel probably twice as tired do not worry right, about that. Okay. okay. <laughs> good. Well, not good, but yes. Um, so, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, Damien, it's been absolutely wonderful to chat with you. Um, I've truly enjoyed it. I really appreciate you taking some no time. No problem. To see me to Pleasure. Um, yeah, many thanks. 
Pleasure. Pleasure. All right. Okay. Cheers, Damien. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.